1: Welcome back to Got Tech The Podcast. This is episode 41 called 30 Resources for the New School Year. In this episode, Nick and I curate 30 of our favorite resources to jumpstart the new year. We've each selected our favorite teacher blogs, tech tools, and educational podcasts. This is our Got Tech Awards episode. Get excited because this one is one that you're not going to want to miss. Nick, we're back with episode 41. I'm super pumped because I love award shows on TV, the the music awards. I'm a big fan of country, Uh, the movies. I like to watch movies. And this time we're going to play our spin and we're going to give EdTech awards.
0: Everybody loves award shows, even if you're not into music or movies or that kind of stuff. At the very least, you get to agree or disagree with what Geis and I have picked out here. We've got, I think we counted them individually, 30 different resources that we've brought together within a bunch of different categories just to kind of give people listening as many options as possible to gather ideas and find some creative ways to, really, I like to think about it as jump-starting the new school year. We are in the sort of like maximum overload Time of getting those juices flowing and thinking about what you're going to have your students do that's new and exciting. So, hopefully, this episode will bring some cool things to the table. All
1: right, let's get right into our EdTech Awards for this year. And in these EdTech Awards, we listen to our students, we listen to our teachers, we work with our teachers implementing tech into the classroom. And these are the ones that we like, that they like, and we kind of made a couple different categories. And we're just going to go through these pretty quickly. But these are EdTech Awards for tech tools, and this includes apps, extensions, platforms anything. Websites, whatever. It's pretty much uh, whatever we say kind of goes here. Uh, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, this is like our all-encompassing, no no borders. As long as it's ed tech, we can select it. And I, want, you touched on it, but the important part of this is that we're considering here, of course, our opinions because we selected them. But a lot of what we hear from other teachers using these tools and also a lot of what we hear from our students using these tools uh, to give us the, the, the ed tech awards. And I think we've got nine categories, A lot of them are the same categories we've uh, referenced in the past, but some different ones too. Assessment, gamification, video screencasting, curation, productivity, feedback, audio recording and editing, and a extension category to focus specifically on those. So maybe let's take it from the top,
1: you think? Yeah. And I just want to throw this out there. These are the ones that, you know, a lot of times we give you a whole bunch of resources. Sometimes they do the same thing, but it is tailored to your choice. Like what fits you the best. Right. Um, these are the ones that fit us the best or fit our students the best or our teachers the best. So we know that they work. We know that they're an awesome platform. So check some of these out. If you have time, you're in a PLC, bring these to your PLC. Check them out see what you could do. So let's start at the top at assessment. and here, we're talking about online quizzes, assessments, uh, things like that. So,
0: my award for assessment is going to go to Edpuzzle. Edpuzzle's got the award for me because it's absolutely my favorite one. In a flipped classroom environment, if your students are viewing videos at home, especially YouTube videos, you need to be using Edpuzzle. For me, it's like my main go-to for formative assessment. My students watch a video at home, and I want to know what they made sense of from that video, and Edpuzzle does that for me. If you don't know, you can incorporate questions that are where the video automatically pauses and the students answer a question before they can continue watching the video so it sort of helps keep track of their understanding as they go. It's an awesome, awesome tool.
1: Yeah, shout out to Ed Puzzle. They do a great job. That, that is like the missing link from YouTube that really makes YouTube educational, helps us teachers uh, make those videos more purposeful for learning. Uh, I went with, this is one that fits in many categories, but I went with GimKit. Uh, For the last four or five years, our, our school has been using Kahoot, and last year we showed GimKit for the first time to a couple teachers, and it's growing like wildfire. I mean, made by, I guess, a recent grad, from Seattle, uh, from a high school in Seattle, this is phenomenal gamification. It uh, would fit in that category as well, but I use it for my assessment. It allows uh, students to collect points that they earn from answering questions right, and then buy in-game incentives. Like uh, if they pay 30 coins of in-game money, um, they get the next three questions. They earn triple the the coin amount or whatever the in-game money is and it really teaches them how to manage their money but also it it focus it's just a fun way of getting content out there seeing what they know it gives them instant feedback at the end and uh, i've heard students are playing other teachers gim kits for fun
0: yeah I think that speaks the the most about Kim Kids really love that one. Uh, For our gamification category, I kind of went with a a simpler choice this time, but not the flashiest, but sometimes your students don't want all the glitz and the glam and the features. They just want it to be one thing and one thing that does it well, so I went with something called Tiny Cards. Uh, Tiny Cards is my favorite choice for online digital flashcards. There's a lot of choices out there today. Um, One thing that stands out is that students really, at least at the high school level, they really respond, I find, to the flashcards so if you've seen this in your students or you want to push another option out to them one that I think is particularly good uh, for gamifying check out Check out tinycards.com. They can make their own flashcards. They can search and use other previously created flashcards. And it's just a nice, easy way to kind of let students test themselves. Uh, and, of course, in a game-like environment. So that's that's a, a new one that I don't think I've brought up before, but I think could be a player in the future.
1: The gamification uh, edtech tool that I used is Classcraft. And this is one I think we talked about maybe way back in episode 10, but they keep coming out with new features to it and they're staying on top of the gamification game. But in Classcraft, you're able to make an avatar. Uh, Each student's able to make an avatar and they collect points by doing good behaviors, their homework, getting an A on a test, whatever you want to put in there. They could also lose points if you want to use that as a behavior management tool. But there's a lot of, I don't know, taking on these pit bosses almost as a class, um, using their avatars using their points super cool we we say that this is a great tool not only for the gen ed students but the ap students or the honor students but it also motivates the unmotivated student and that's where i find this to be like the next level gamification tool
0: yeah great for motivation Classcraft. our next category is uh video so this could be video creation video editing kind of however you want to look at it um and i'm going to go with one that we've talked about a bit recently but it's i think it's going to be just recently a lot of really cool new features in this thing it's called headliner headliner sort of in the way you would want let's well, let's people just sort of drag in different tracks it can be images that you can extend for the whole length of the video or different portions of it. You can drag in other video segments. You can drag in or add in audio. That's kind of what it's designed for is uh, making advertisements, especially for podcasts with the little uh, the little audio bars. They're called audiograms that kind of visualize the sound or the audio that's in there. But that's just one of the things that Headliner does. I like to use it uh, for my students because it's just an easy, free way to edit videos together because of that drag and drop feature. So I think uh, I think that's a, a smart choice 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 for my video edtech award.
1: Uh, I went with WeVideo for video edtech award just because of uh, how easy it is to use. You could use it for video. Now they're adding podcasting features where you could edit the audio for it. You could easily export it to YouTube, Google Drive, that stuff. So just the ease of the platform and how many purposes it could be used for. Uh, WeVideo gets that award. The next one we actually agree on, and this is Screen. Uh, casting and we both like Screencast-O-Matic. They now have a Google extension so go check that out. Um, It's similar to Loom. It's similar to Screencastify. I just think the editing options are a little bit better. Um, Curation. Let's go to curation.
0: Yeah, this is always an interesting category because it's it's broad. Really just gathering resources for your students and there's a lot of great ways to do this. I again went with a a simple option here and that is something called Pinup. Pinup is a really just a, a, a digital cork board for your students. Um, I like this if I'm going to be absent from school because I can create a board for my students and it lets you add things to the board just like you would a real life cork board where you can pin pictures, sticky notes. The sticky notes that we could use as like a to-do list and you're absent for the day and the students work through that to-do list. Really what you're doing is you as you build uh, your pinup board, you're just curating resources for your kids to use. And I think there's uh, almost endless possibilities for this one. And it's kind of Fun because, you know, it, it looks very, it visually it looks like an actual, you know, like a corkboard would look. So check out Pinup.
1: Uh, mine is Wakelet and this EdTech tool took great strides linking up with Flipgrid. So they're now um compatible with each other and that is just this is going to be a monster tool for curation because you could throw in websites, you could throw in PDFs, you could throw in pictures and all that and then you could share them with your students, you could share them with uh your colleagues, you can make them visible and searchable by other teachers so when they're on there they can look at the collections you've made, you could send these collections, you could collaborate on the collections. It's just an amazing tool and now that you can include incorporate some of the unique features of Flipgrid with uh, your Wakelet collections is next level stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're not competing because Wakelet, I mean, that's a that's a pretty heavy hitter. There's such an awesome way to curate stuff for your kids. Within productivity, I've been using this so much recently I had to give it my award. It's called Save to Google Drive and it's an extension where if you're looking things up online and you find really anything but let's just say a document that you want to save somewhere and file it away it can be kind of a pain with the downloading process. Uh, but with Save to Google Drive within the Chrome browser, it's kind of automatically pops up a, like a one-click option and it just automatically saves things straight to your Google Drive without you really doing any work if you want to go a little further you can like organize it right there too and tell it uh, give it a direction or a home like which folder to go in but I usually don't do that I just sort of just dump everything in my Google Drive and figure out where it goes later productivity getting things done quick check out save to Google drive
1: uh productivity for me is one tab and until something comes along and beats us this will always be my go-to uh, extension for productivity uh, one tab is the tech coaches extension uh, I work with a different teacher pretty much every period throughout the day in incorporating uh, um, different projects with uh, tech options so one teacher comes in for the first period of the day, I might have 10 tabs open to kind of go through that whole project with that teacher. The next period, I'll have another 10, and the next period another 10. And this drives Nick nuts when he has that many tabs on his computer. So what I do after first period when I'm done working with that teacher, I hit the one tab extension, and they put all those URLs into a uh, hyperlinked, like, web page. This uh, web page, you can name it, you can lock it so you can't delete it, you can star it so it stays up at the top, or the best feature yet is you could share it out to other teachers by just copying and pasting the URL. Here's the thing. Picture this for your students. You're doing uh, a project on the uh, human anatomy, and each student is given a different system. Well, maybe you found 15 good websites that has pictures, information, and stuff like that. You're on a time crunch, so you don't want to spend have them spending too much time getting these different resources, so you wanted to curate a uh, list of resources for them. Grab the URLs, hit the uh, one-tab extension button. It goes into a saveable list and tell them that they have to work off of that list.
0: Yeah, I don't like one tab because I don't like tabs, but I see if you're doing as you described and kind of sharing things.
1: But you like organization and that's, that's super organized.
0: I get it, yeah. I was just going to say that kind of that part appeals to me. Uh, for our feedback category, I picked a, a, another favorite. It's an easy choice for my award. It's called Classroom Cue. Uh, Classroom Q. it's like a digital hand-raising tool, so if you're tired of kind of having your students sit there with their hands raised as you work your way around and a lot of them, you know, along the way they sort of give up and say, ah, whatever, I, I don't want to keep my hand up. The teacher's too busy helping a whole group of other uh, students. Now they can just hit a big red button on their phone or other on, on their computer. And as the teacher, you get to see a queue, a list generated of students who have hit that button. So they're it's kind of like raising their hand, but it never goes away. Um, and there's also ways for them to actually type in uh, specific questions there. So you can see that as a teacher and respond that way
1: if you want to. The great thing about that is if you project that as a teacher on the on the board and another student can help that student, then you've got multiple experts in the classroom. And that just makes that whole class more productive. Uh, this is a great tool for middle school, but I've also incorporated it uh, into some high school classes. I'm working with some teachers of bringing it into the high school and they love it. So that's a great one. I chose for feedback, edgy dot it edgy notes uh this is one of my favorites just because of its functionality and it, it really serves a purpose that fills the gap in education and it's a great feedback tool collaboration tool um i could see multiple uses in english but i could also see ways that you could put it into every single curriculum uh so basically you just copy and paste into this uh into a space on the platform and then you give the students directions. So if I wrote a paper and the, my teacher wanted it to be proofread by the class, they could throw my paper into there without my name on it. and students can go and highlight you know strong points, weak points, criticisms, uh, leave comments and stuff like that. And that, that student can get feedback that way. So I, I, I really love edgy notes. Let's go into audio recording and editing. So we're going to agree to disagree because I know that if you really had to throw it out there, you're going audacity.
0: If I had to, yes, Audacity is probably the best one for both things, but I I didn't want to agree because I I went, again, went with a simple choice, literally just for nothing except recording. You can't go any easier than something called simple audio recorder. And I know Audacity, you guys will tell you about in a second, does everything this is going to do. Just looks a lot more complicated and I think sometimes that can turn people off. If your only goal is to have a, a method of recording a voice, simple audio recorder is the way to do it. It's, I mean, you add it to your computer and but then it's literally just a button to start recording and and a button to stop so you you always can't go wrong with stuff like that
1: yeah i chose audacity just because of how easy it is to use it might look intimidating but it's pretty easy the only downfall with audacity so I hope someone from Audacity is listening to this. Make a Chrome extension. Make some type of way to put it on a Chromebook. Make it a platform-based thing. I'm begging you because uh, students love it. But the thing is, is our students have Chromebooks, and it's not compatible with the Chromebooks. So I'm really hoping that someday that they get something that's compatible with Chromebooks. But let's go into our extension, and we both agree on this one. This one is a new one, and uh, it's fantastic. It's called eComment. And e-comments is the Mamma Jamma feedback tool, an online grading tool. Uh, So if students work in a Google Doc, it's an extension. You add the extension e-comments, you open it up, you turn it on, and... When you turn it on, there's all these canned comments for different types of projects. So you no longer have to hit the comment button, type in, hey, you did a great job here, but you need a little bit more detail. There's a canned comment for that. Or you can make your own canned comments. Or better yet, you can add a voice comment or a video comment at The click of a button it's super easy super effective and super awesome
0: yeah i had to agree with this one like like you said it just it's it may be the last automatic commenter for google docs that you ever need because it does everything so that was nine categories i guess we didn't each make our own extension we agreed on two of them so 16 different of our top edtech awards hopefully there's something for everybody on this list again to help you start your new school year You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Teched.
1: So let's just get right into it. And, and one of the things that we've invested a lot more time in recently is blogging. And we, we have a blog, right? We, we throw out a couple blog posts here and there, and hopefully you guys find those useful. But we also look at other blogs. And uh, we decided to come up with our three favorite blogs, so my three favorite, Nick's three favorite, and uh, we're going to talk about them a little bit.
0: Yeah, I used to give guys a hard time when we started this whole thing, and going back years actually, because I was never into reading blogs. I didn't get it. I used to kind of say, why would anybody want to do this type of reading on their own time? But just sort of slowly as we've gotten into you know, this world a little bit more, there's actually a lot of great stuff out there. Really, a blog is nothing more, I don't know why I didn't see this from the beginning, but a blog is nothing more than you know, like like a mini article almost of teachers writing about things that work and you can get so many cool ideas it doesn't take a bunch of time so this should be an interesting segment
1: yeah and there's there's many 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 great blogs out there and we're just uh scratching the surface and and for some of them we're trying to pick ones that aren't always on the front line of educational blogging uh, maybe going a a little bit deeper into it but we still have some that are are pretty popular out there but these are the ones that i kind of hold near and dear to me because I, I just find the quality being there all right so the first one is freetechforteachers.com uh it's by richard Byrne, and and this guy people know him i mean he does great things uh he makes guides he he comes out with top lists he he does a little bit of everything and i don't know i looked his stat up on him he posts like somewhere between 14 and 18 blog posts per month on average wow and i i know over the summer that there were a couple days where he had like four or five out within you know hours of each other but he's up to date And he definitely has, he's a go-to place for everything tech.
0: So I think for me, all you need to know is that right in the title of his website, free tech for teachers, anything free has got my vote right off the bat.
1: Yeah, and it's quality too. So he also does some uh, PD workshops and I believe I saw him speak at a conference or two Already, So I know he's around speaking at conferences, but go check him out. Free resources. There's lesson plans and other things that will help uh, the teachers of the world get a little bit better incorporating tech into their classroom. So I guess I'll just do my three and then... We'll roll with yours. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Why don't you go through your three and then I'll, I'll kick in with mine.
1: All right. The next one is ed Surge. ed Surge. is a, you could go to the website and they have a lot of things there, but there's a lot of EdTech Tech um, information and this is a resource community. Uh, this is where I go to check out Ed Tech. I want to look at reviews uh, they have a directory on their website and basically they categorize these pieces of ed tech. So if you want something with collaboration, you could go there, go under collaboration and it'll be this massive list and you could separate them or they have it separated by different ages or grade levels and things like that. So it's a good place to do research. A lot of times when we're prepping for our, our podcast, I'll go to Ed EdSearch, and uh, really just explore the space a little bit and see what I could come up with. But you got to go there. I don't, I don't really
0: know Ed Surge out of the ones you've done so far. So that's definitely one I'm going to probably check out myself.
1: The next one is teacherthought.com. This is a progressive blog for all educators that uh, are looking to make themselves more digitally connected with the world. So they have a lot of great blogs there. Uh, sometimes they're about tech. Other times they're not. Uh, I read an article that was posted or contributed by Ian Lancaster on there. It was called The Eight Characteristics of a Good Teacher. And I thought that just to break up my section here a little bit. I think what we could do here is see if you could get some of these eight characteristics of a good teacher. Because that's my goal this year. I want to make sure that I encompass a lot of these skills. Therefore, I'm I'm supportive in their for my students
0: you want me to try to guess all these things on the spot right now
1: uh, just guess one okay. guess a couple
0: all right i mean i can throw some things out there that jump to mind um i mean right away i think a good teacher i, I always call it bravery i guess there's a lot of ways to say that but sort of trying new things uh, you're not, not being afraid to almost like take those risks in a way
1: yeah i would say that was number six which is risk taking okay risk taking So I'm just curious, uh, if you had to debate, if there's a third person here and they ask us the question, who is more of a risk taker? Uh, Who would you say, me or you? I think you're
0: classroom-wise for sure the risk taker. I'm a little bit cautious sometimes in like trying new things. I need to be sure that it works first.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I I I would say that one fits me. Yep. All right, how about another one? All right, so how about um,
0: years in the classroom? That's an easy one too.
1: Um, I don't know if that's really on there, okay. but uh, I'm going to just put it with the category that's closest. They sure. have life experience. Okay. Uh, for me personally, I think, you know, I am older, but life experience is a lot different when you, I, I think of this as a storyteller, someone that can bring it into the classroom. Okay. I've heard you tell stories. I tell stories. Um, you know, a lot of times I will lie to my students. I, I do it constantly. Uh, it's part of the science process they need to tell what's fact and what's fiction they have to be able to test it but I really like reaching out into my life experiences and maybe incorporating those into the classroom a little bit and maybe sometimes I stretch them a little bit but on the other hand I've sat in the back of your classroom prepping for a lab or doing whatever I'm doing and I hear you tell totally different stories about a narwhal and a squirrel and you know all that stuff and their chemical geniuses and i think this one's a little bit of a wash
0: yeah it's kind of a tie we both sort of do that and i might have even learned it from you when we first started coming in but just saying interesting things uh, uh, about your life and and sort of bringing that to what you're teaching the kids to kind of tie in that interest we probably would tie on that one but but how about uh this is an interesting one that i think would have to make a list for what great teachers have confidence
1: yeah, confidence is definitely on there, and, and this one's a weird one. I would say I'm more confident in front of the classroom when it comes to the classroom management because... I'm a little bit bigger of a guy and I don't really need to try that much. But we've got the, uh, you've got the coach, right? You've got the coach mentality. But I think you have more of the expertise in chemistry. Like sometimes you come up with ways that are weird. And I mean that in a good way. Like I would never think of, you know, talking about electrons using ninjas. And I think that that comes, that, that part of it comes from confidence because you know that material forward and backwards. I know biology, I'm not worried about biology, but the thing is, is you have layers to your lessons and you kind of tailor them to what your students like a little bit more than I do. So I'll give you the confidence Ooh, one. All right. Listen to this.
0: I like this list so far, but now I'm running out of ideas for these eight things. What about, um, is, I don't know, time management on there in any way?
1: Um, we'll call this, they focus on the important stuff because if you okay. get too much fluff in there, you're going to be off course. And this is one I will tell you, I give on tangents all the time.
0: Oh yeah. I'm the I'm the time management guy for sure. Out of the Nick two of
1: us. is super organized. He has lists for his list, and they're in alphabetical order.
0: That's true. I got lists on sublists on sublists, so that's an easy one. Um, what about I mean, it's got tech the podcast. How about tech tech use? Teachers using tech.
1: I think that belongs on a list. It is. It's number five. Okay, and it's their technologically capable now notice that that's not saying they're masters in it they're just able to incorporate it they're not afraid to incorporate it they see where it is relevant and where it's not relevant and they bring it in when it's going to enhance the lesson so that's definitely on there and that's a wash i'm I'm not even going to debate that we both do that all right
0: so if tech use is on there, then probably related to that would be some... I see this happen a lot of times as teachers get uh, you know, further down in their careers. And sometimes this fades from how it is at the beginning of your career. And that's motivation. I think staying motivated is big for good teachers.
1: Yeah, motivation is on there but it's more tailored to students okay so they understand each student's motivation so that was number three and that's that goes with the personalized learning that we've been kind of going over on the last five or six uh podcasts so let's just uh go over them and see which ones we covered demonstrate confidence we're both confident but i give it to you slight edge. Uh, they have life experience. I'm older and probably more wiser. So I give (laughs) that to me, understand student motivation. That's a wash. Uh, this one's an interesting one. We didn't cover it. They're people, not heroes. So I love this one because you got to be able to, uh, show your students that you can be vulnerable. And this is one thing that I was horrible at. I acted like I was the best thing since sliced bread and I'm far from it. And once I got over that barrier of of making sure that they thought I was perfect, um, which I never was able to do, and I failed at, and they didn't like me for it anyway. Thank you, uh, rateyourteacher.com or whatever. <laughs> you know, once I got over that, and I showed them that I could be vulnerable, and I'm not perfect, they kind of relate with that. Yep. I, th- I think that's a great thing. Yep. Uh, number five, they're technologically capable. Uh, six, they model risk-taking. Seven, they focus on the important stuff. And eight, we didn't talk about either. They don't worry too much about what administrators think. Whoa, yeah, that's an important one. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times uh, we worry too much about the administrators. We change the We spend an extra hour on a lesson because we know that a supervisor, administrator is coming in. And really, if you're just doing your job, do your job.
0: Yep. The only other one I I would have said was focusing on student learning. But that's kind of it's kind of that last one you just said to in a roundabout way. Uh, Not worrying about kind of what other people or your you know admin is thinking about what you're doing but doing a good job to help the kids learn that should be the most important thing right all right so that's definitely a cool one to check out and a nice little uh, taste of it there with those eight characteristics my three choices for blogs we're gonna start off with one called My Paperless Classroom, which you can find at mypaperlessclassroom.com. I like this for a couple of reasons. One is, I think first of all, and this is kind of silly, but it always tells me a little bit about uh, something like this, and that's the title, My Paperless Classroom. What a great title. It lets you know immediately what it is and what you're gonna get there. I believe, if I remember correctly, this is Sam Patterson, who's a tech integration specialist uh, who kind of shares some of uh, his experiences in trying to bring tech into the classroom, of course, to make it more paperless. Uh, he brings a lot of unique stuff that you don't really hear about a whole lot as it relates to education like toys and video games. A lot of things that we like to talk about. Uh, Minecraft in particular is one that stuck out to me. Uh, Just kind of scrolling his most recent posts right now or some of the recent ones. He's got things on green screens with iPads. So some of the best ways you can do that. Uh, Five essential components of uh, successful Steam curriculum. So there's kind of something for everybody here. Uh, They're well written. They're short they read they read nicely and some some unique finds on my paperless classroom so definitely check out uh, Sam Patterson for one of my picks
1: Yeah, that one sounds awesome. Yep, so that's a good one. Also,
0: ClassTechTips.com is going to be my second. This is a new one for me. I can't say a whole lot about it, uh, but it's by Monica Burns. From what I've seen so far, best way to describe Monica, she is an expert on tech implementation. If there's a way to do it and a way to do it best, this is the blog you want to read. So if you're interested in like a particular app, let's say, and you want to know, okay, what are... What are teachers doing to use this? Like, what are the best ways this can be done? Go check out this blog, and it's not just a blog. She's got all different kinds of posts, summer reviews. She does some podcasts. She offers uh, free stuff that she finds out about within the ed tech world. A lot of events and workshops. A lot of stuff over the summer, so not so applicable right now, but tons of really cool stuff on ClassTechTips.com. And my and my last one is
1: before you get into your last one, I sure. also got to throw out that she's a Jersey girl. Oh, no way. I didn't even know that. She's local to us. Okay. Um, I've actually heard her talk before. Um... She's she's very, very good at what she does. And you got to throw it out there that her class tech tips. I've been actually following that one for quite some time now. Cool. And uh, I, I think she's she's awesome at what she does and she's local. So I wanted to throw that out because I know a lot of our listeners are in the Jersey area and that might be a good contact to reach out if your school is looking for professional development or just for someone to come out and kind of talk to them. I'm sure that um, she would love to work with some people in New Jersey. So check out uh, Monica Burns. There you go. I also follow her on Twitter and that's at class tech tips. So.
0: Okay, bonus points for the local girl. I like that too. And then my last one is something I don't think everybody thinks about this as a blog, but I'm going to call it a blog, and that is edutopia.org. Oddly enough, edutopia is, I think it's maybe funded by or started by um, the George Lucas Educational Foundation, which is, you know, that George Lucas from the Star Wars movies. And it's just a bunch of kind of really well put together, super, maybe the most professional one we've talked about, um, blog so far today on how technology can be used in classrooms, really, really, really cool things, A large variety, I think that's the best way to kind of sum up the stuff that you'll find on this particular blog, just reading some of the stuff they've got in categories like assessment, formative assessment, here's six teacher-approved tips for faster, more effective feedback, boosting engagement uh, with notices and wonders, so these are things for all grade levels. Uh, just really exciting stuff, something called 60 Second Strategies of Discussion Mapping. So uh, th- these things sort of always pop out to me and seem like, well, oh, man, that's something that I need to start doing like tomorrow. And there's a lot of that
1: on Edutopia. Uh, that, uh, that sounds super cool. I've heard of Edutopia, but I I didn't know that they wrote um, things. So I'll, I'll definitely check those ones out. So, I mean,
0: you, you made me play a game. I'm going to make you play a game to wrap up this whole initial segment All I got to
1: say is I hope it's not too truest and a lie because you never, you never stumped me. Buddy,
0: that's all I got. And also, I think... I can beat you this time. So, I actually from Edutopia found an article uh, called uh, 10 Common Flexible Seating Myths. There's another great example of what Edutopia can bring to the table. 10 Common Flexible Seating Myths and I have remastered some of those into two truths and a lie. So, I'm going to give you some of these myths. Two of them will be true. One of them will be a lie. If you've not listened to the show in a while or if you're new to the show this is a recurring segment that we bring back from time to time i always believe that i can trick guys into picking the lie and i and i never can because he is a human lie detector but we're gonna give it a shot again anyways
1: so just to preface this a little bit he keeps these articles or whatever away from me until we post yep. them in the show notes
0: yep so it's 10 common flexible seating myths i'm only gonna do three of them do you need you do you know what flexible seating is? Do we need to update you on what this whole thing's no, about? but you
1: can explain it to uh to the audience a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, flexible seating is just sort of changing the classroom space to include, you know, not just the typical hard chair at a desk. There could be bouncy balls to sit on and big beanbag, beanbag chairs in different areas for reading with more of like a lounge environment. There's lots of ways to interpret it, but, you know, it's kind of a, a trend in education that's been going on for a little while now. So, I'm going to read these three things to you, see if you can pick out which one is not true. Uh, the first one says that flexible seating can be used for standardized testing. Flexible seating can be used for standardized testing. Flexible, here's the second one, flexible seating helps students remain focused. So, helping students remain focused. And the third one is students need to learn how to sit at a desk for the real world. One okay. of those three things is a lie. What do you think?
1: Just read the uh first one. No, just just give me a recap of each one real quick.
0: Okay, recap. Flexible seating can be used for standardized testing. Okay.
1: That one I just don't see where anywhere where it would say like students have to be in a desk. Like I've seen students take tests at tables i've seen them at desks so that in itself is a little bit flexible there i think as long as they have privacy and there's like no chance of cheating by looking at your neighbor the best you can i i think that you can have flexible seating
0: okay so i was pretty sure that was going to be the one that would have caught you as the lie, but it is not the lie. That is 100% true. You got that one. It's not looking good for me. Flexible seat. There are typically no rules, like you said, in standardized test guidelines that would stop a student from sitting in a different type of chair at a different space. So good for you. That's true. But what's the lie? You've got flexible seating helps students remain focused or students need to learn how to sit at a desk for the real world.
1: I understand that students do need to sit at a desk for the real world because a lot of our jobs are desk jobs. But the other one is remaining focused, you said? Yeah, that the flexible
0: seating will help students to remain focused.
1: Hmm. This is actually tougher because I could see that one being kind of true as well. Really? Okay. Well, what would your best guess be? I'm, uh... I'm going to I'm going to probably say man this is tough. We got him. I think this is my first success. I, I don't know. Like here's the thing, you have you have to be able to sit at a desk if you're doing a desk job in the real world. So students do need to learn how to sit in desks, but not every student. True. Oh
0: man. That might point you in the right direction.
1: But then, you know, here's the thing about flexible seating and being distracted. Like with flexible seating, if you have a wobbly chair, you get to go up and you get to go sit over at the carpet squares and you could sit down there. Right. So that one has to be true. Like, will they be overstimulated? No, they won't because they can move if they are. So you're saying that- I'm saying that one's, students will not be overstimulated.
0: Right, so it is true, you are correct. Congratulations, you're still undefeated. Flexible seating does help students remain focused, a lot of times overactive or, uh, you know, students that need to be moving, it helps them to be able to move. So sitting on a ball or sitting in a beanbag chair where they can kick their legs, now they don't have to focus on the fact that they can't move. They can sort of let that part of them uh, flow freely and they are then free to focus on whatever's happening in class, so good job. And um, at least this article maintains that it's a lie to say that, or a myth, that students need to learn how to sit at a desk for the real world Because, yeah, like you were wrestling with, there's some jobs that are desk jobs, but a lot of the times there's other jobs to choose from for people that don't want to sit at a desk. And even in a desk-based workplace, uh, there's options for people to not sit down all the time. There's those standing desks and different types of chairs. So I'm upset, but guys, wins two truths and a lie again.
1: Segment three is all about our favorite podcasts. We're going to award some of our favorite podcasts with the EdTech Choice Awards. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, I'd like to take a minute and talk a little bit about the Educational Podcast Directory. This is a directory of all of, not all, but a lot of the uh, educational podcasts out there. And the reason why this is important is because Apple has uh, condensed a lot of their categories in education, which is really just a disservice to everybody because now everyone's going to be harder to find. Uh, Yeah, you'll be able to find those podcasts that get 50,000 subscribes or likes or downloads every month because they'll be at the top of the list. But some of the ones that aren't as popular or serve a specific niche is going to be harder to find because podcasts that go over like how to stack 10,000 cups without using glue or tape is going to be lumped in with the education podcast. Yeah, I think iTunes was just trying to sort of
0: clean up their uh, their categories when you're in there looking for stuff. But like you said, it is kind of tough then because uh, some of the smaller, more, uh, I guess, like a, a niche audience, it's tougher to find something like if you specifically want ed you can't look that up anymore. It's just all part of, I think, like the big umbrella category of education. So a directory like this is, uh, I think, extra, extra important.
1: Yeah, so uh, two gentlemen, uh, David Hennell and uh jeff bradbury they made this directory and uh i put the link in the show notes so if you have educational podcast you want to be included go to that link and there's a little button that you can click on that allows you to fill out a google form but it's awesome uh i always like to think that you know podcasting there's a good camaraderie there and that we're all on the same team we all want to grow together and I will tell you, there's a lot of great educational podcasters out there that will go the extra mile that will help you uh, out if you want to start up, us included. I mean, someone helped us get started, therefore we want to kind of return the favor. So if you're interested in starting an educational podcast or any type of podcast and you want some tips on equipment or how to get started or where to get started, uh, just reach out to us on Twitter and uh, we'll be glad to help you out. And if you have questions that we can't answer... We know some great podcasters that's been doing this for a long time.
0: So we... We thought we'd contribute to this and maybe make it a little bit easier to help people find some different education podcasts. Of course, check out the Educational Podcast Directory for an almost complete list. But uh, we pulled in some of our uh, picks for these uh, this section of the Choice Awards here. In uh, we, we have one pick in an ed tech category if that's what you're interested in. Maybe you'd like to hear some more stories. We try and pepper in some stories sometimes, but some podcasts focus on storytelling almost solely. So we've got some picks there if that's your thing. We've got one that feature guests exclusively exclusively and also a category focusing on educational leadership, because that's so important, really helping uh, teachers grow is you got to have good leaders around you to show you things and kind of inspire you and get you motivated. So I'll kick it off. And this was was the toughest category for me. And that's the EdTech category. I don't do a whole lot of EdTech podcasts because we have an EdTech podcast. So most of my EdTech stuff I read about, but there's two, uh, two guys out of New Jersey with a really exciting upstart podcast called Got Tech the Podcast. I don't know if you've heard about it.
1: Yeah that's pretty lame does that count uh, we'll count it but it's lame it's I'm st- like nominating yourself for
0: teacher <laughs> of the year or something like that i'm sticking with it one because i i like our podcast too because i that, like i said it was tough for me to find obviously if you're listening you already know about us but man i think we're a solid pick to from for my uh Ed Tech podcast award
1: all right so mine i went outside of our own uh Little podcast area here. And I went with uh, John Sowash's The Chromebook Classroom Podcast. This podcast is amazing for any uh, district that went one-to-one with Chromebooks or anyone that is working with a Chromebook. I know there's a lot of teachers out there that work on Chromebooks. He knows everything Chromebooks. So if you have any questions, go over there. Find him on Twitter. Ask him questions. Listen to his podcast. It's absolutely amazing. He goes over anything that you could think of with a Chromebook he'll find a way to do it it's pretty amazing
0: that's cool I like those ones that are very you get some specific information like just focusing on Chromebooks that's really cool And the next two categories we picked in are my favorite types because well the first one focuses on uh, people's stories and the next one after that's gonna focus on guests that's always the most interesting to me I just even in the, you know not listening to a podcast I just like to hear what other teachers are doing and that's kind of what these podcasts will feature so my choice in our stories category is a podcast called teachers on Fire uh, by Tim K. V. Tim, I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong there, but that podcast is what it sounds like. It's uh, talking to teachers that are on fire. They're they're killing it. They're doing great in in their craft in their art. Um, so he chats with these inspiring educators. They discuss everything that they're going through, they're what they struggle with. And that's one thing I really like about this. Teaching's hard. A lot of the time, all you hear is all the great things you should be doing. Uh, well, it it helps too to kind of hear the other side. What do you struggle with? Talk about their passions, their goals, and my favorite favorite part is just what are they doing in the classroom uh, and in this way you get some really kind of special unique ideas that you wouldn't get to hear about otherwise
1: so this is a very fitting podcast name because it's teachers on fire and tim is on fire he started about the same time as us but he has his youtube channel up and running he has his podcast on every major place that you could find podcasts but the thing that i like is is he all he always finds a good story. Um, and it, it seems like there's always something that you can relate to in each and every episode. So, that, that, I will give you a good choice on that one. I, I believe that's a good uh, selection. Thanks. So, mine can actually fit in almost every category. Actually, it does fit in every single category that we're picking. And, uh, this guy is the giffer of, um, education he comes out with these gifts educational gifts i know he runs a program called Gift a day but i think that gave him the platform for the podcast and his podcast is just taking off the podcast is is called educational duct tape and it's by jake miller i I never met the guy I've talked to him on Twitter. He's a very friendly guy, and the thing that I really like about his podcast is he does a lot of storytelling. And sometimes he tries to make the voices, which is my favorite part. And and I can listen to this podcast in the car because like he in one episode he was he was doing I think the the pig and uh, the elephant from Mo Williams books, okay, the kids books, and you know my my kids know that reference, yeah. So they don't mind listening for it because there's usually something in there that a kid can reference. He has young kids himself, but he did one the other day on shoots and Ladders. And he ties all these stories into education. And really, his whole podcast is a big metaphor um, saying that, you you know, you never start with duct tape. You know, if you're in your house, you never start with duct tape. Duct tape is usually the solution. So he uses the, that metaphor to bring into education that not every piece of tech, ed tech, is good to incorporate in only the one that's fixing your problem so i think that's very cool so jake miller gets my uh, um got tech choice award for the podcast in the story category
0: yeah i like that that's a, another really strong easy to listen to podcast um kind of same thing with our next category i think it's uh guests specifically sort of the same thing so, my pick within uh, the guest category is another one of my favorites. Just getting to sort of uh, listen to, like I said before, other teachers talk about what they're doing. And this one features that almost exclusively. It's called Teach Better Talk. This is Ray Hugar and Jeff Gargas. Again, guys, I apologize if I pronounced your uh, names incorrectly. Really, the, uh, this is, these two uh, are both part of the Teach Better team, if you've heard of that at teachbetter.com. It's just chatting with uh, educators. That's it. Super simple, but really powerful. These people are from all around the world kind of like uh, the last one I gave they just talk about everything that these educators are going through what are their you know what are the wh- where have they failed? because that's super important to hear about as well. Where have they succeeded in my favorite part is just what are what are the new things they're doing that are that's different, that's exciting, because like I said before, to me, that's the best stuff to listen to because that's what gets your own creativity going and makes you say, oh, I think I could do that in my class, but here's a twist on it. Here's something I could pull in to make it work for me. Um, so this is an, another one of my favorites just to kind of hit that that inspiration level on a, on a more regular basis.
1: So the Teach Better team is made up of four uh awesome educators uh they also host mastery chats on thursday on twitter and i think that's at 8 30 but this is an extension outside of that and they have something called the grid method they make a lot of courses so good check out teach better because they're very enthusiastic in what they do and they're very good at their craft mine for guests i i struggle with this one a little bit but i'm gonna do it anyway and i'm gonna give this one to uh teacher cast anything i'm not gonna put the podcast there because jeff has i don't know maybe like 15 podcasts on there yeah let's see if we can name a couple of it. he is teacher cast he is um ask the tech coach educational podcasting uh ed tech in the Classroom. I think he did a code one, like Beyond the Hour of Code. Uh, Tech Educator, Jersey Educator, App Spotlight. These are just some. So he always has guests on there. He's very uh, enthusiastic about you know podcasting helping people and creating websites so he's your guru there if you need help on any of that go over to teachercast.net and you could check out all of his uh, great resources and podcasts
0: and then our final category we thought we'd bring uh podcasts that specifically feature leadership which like i said before it's so important just to kind of for educators to be around strong leaders or, or at least other people that are doing exciting things and uh, sometimes a podcast can bring that to as well. So, my choice is one called Leader of Learning by Dan, I think it's cryness Do you know how to pronounce Krines. it? Yeah, Krinus. Awesome podcast, Leader of Learning. It really just explores what it means to be a leader, uh, talks about different ways that leadership has transformed education. A lot of the times, educators uh, who listen to this, if you're a teacher and you need that inspirational piece, maybe you feel like your school lacks some effective leadership and you want to see what it might take to fill that role yourself. This is a great way to get introduced to that community and kind of learn and listen and and hopefully end up uh, letting you talk to some other people too about what it means to do that and help realize your own leadership potential. Because I think as teachers, we're kind of all leaders in some way. I mean, we lead our classrooms every day. So I think that is inside of each of us. And that can be really powerful when you extend it out to you know the other professionals that are around you. So I think this could be a really special podcast for people that are interested.
1: Uh, so my last one uh, this guy we met at ISTE, and I mean, he was kind enough to give us five minutes of his time. Uh, I think he publishes a lot of stuff that I want to make sure I read as an educator, just because the ideas are fresh. We're, we're kind of going into the mentality of getting kids to research information, come up with their own findings, rather than just making them regurgitate uh, facts and and have uh, these one word answers that really is memorization. Mine goes to ditch that textbook. The the podcast uh, with Matt Miller, uh, fantastic guy. Like I said, uh, everyone at ISTE knows Matt, um, and they would probably wait in line just to talk with him for five minutes. And we were lucky enough to bump into him. We we exchange stickers and podcast stickers, and really, uh, you know, he probably in the, the world of podcasting. If you take all the uh, all the downloads, all the subscribes and stuff like that, we are probably a, a, a pin hair of all the ones that he has. And for the fact that you know he took the time to answer a question and stuff like that, it just it just shows that you know he really values the relationships that he forms with with his audience, and I really appreciate that. And I could say that is the case with all of these podcasts that we, uh, um, selected today, they take time to interact, whether it's on social media or at one of the presentations that they're presenting with, and they give you a lot of good stuff. And that's the reason why they're, they're, they're at the top is they produce great content. You know, it's a direction that we can follow as young podcasters. And I just think, uh, if you need, or if you want to get into the podcasting wave that's going on right now, you know, a good place to start are with these eight podcasts.
0: All right, guys. So, we gave you 30 resources in total, our blog awards, our EdTech awards, and our podcast awards. Check something out. Help your school year start off on the right foot and get inspired with some of these resources.